Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Baggage. For as long as we've had stuff, we found ways to bring it along. Baggage started off big, but it got smaller, portable. Now one person can carry more than ever. Important stuff like clothes, toiletries, fancy little dogs, you know, necessities. But what's amazing is how much stuff we drag around that we don't need and don't like. Things that trip us up, wear us out, and box us in. Stuff like anger. What is wrong with you? Addiction. Overeating. And overspending. It was amazing. They had such great sales. I couldn't believe it. We carry around past relationships. I don't know what I ever saw in you. I don't even dress well. Gosh. Worry. Unforgiveness. And selfishness. I think that's a great idea, don't you? I love it. It makes us ask questions like, why did I do that? Or how did I get here? And what is wrong with me? Because this stuff is heavy. It's bulky. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It makes everything in life harder, especially relationships. You might not know where it came from or how you got it, but there's only one way to deal with baggage. Throw it down. Drop it. Just let go. Sounds easy, but it's not. You carry something long enough, it feels like a part of you. You walk away, but a minute later, it's back in your hand. Baggage is tricky like that. You gotta keep dropping, keep throwing, keep letting go, so you can take hold of something better. God's best for your life. And for that, you're gonna need both hands. We run fastest, love fullest, and live lightest when we let go of the baggage. What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you to Liquid. Can we hear it for everybody this morning in Morristown? Glad you guys are here, especially if it's your first time. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want to welcome to our new series, Baggage, but we need to um, welcome some very special people who are joining us through the miracle of technology, New Brunswick and Nutley. Can we make a big old welcome for the people watching on the big screen today? We love you guys. Thrilled you're here with us. Awesome to have you. If you're watching online, maybe you're homesick, you're traveling, or you're just checking us out for the first time, we're thrilled you're with us for this new series. Quick show of hands, all our campuses. How many of you like to travel? How many of you actually like to travel? You enjoy hopping on a plane, going somewhere? Okay, great. That's great. That's amazing. I'm shocked. I'll admit I am not in love with traveling. I think there are three reasons for that. The first is Newark Airport. 
Let's just acknowledge this. This has to be the filthiest airport in the United States of America. Uh, you know, the terminal colors are brown and yellow, right? It's like, do I need to say more? We just need to own this, New Jersey, okay? This is like, it's like, welcome to the armpit of America. Uh, but the second is, I am not a strategic packer. Uh, my wife, Colleen, is, whenever we go on a trip, she intentionally, she goes to, uh, you know, the store and buys those little, like, travel-sized containers of, you know, conditioner and, and, and uh, shampoo and all that stuff. She rolls her socks up. She plans exactly what outfit she's going to wear each day. Um, I don't have time for that. Uh, like most guys, I wait until it's about an hour and a half before the plane's going to leave. And then I start kind of chucking stuff in the suitcase. Uh, you know, I don't even check the weather. I just bring it with me because I had a traumatic incident. Uh, we were traveling to see my brother in San Francisco. And all I did is I packed shorts and flip-flops because I'm like, well, it's California. No, it's San Francisco, which uh, it was freezy and raining the whole time, and I got the flu the entire week. So now, I just to be on the safe side, I pack everything with me wherever I go. Everything comes with me, and my philosophy is kind of like go big or go home. Um, and the thing is, at Newark Airport, we bring these back, and, they, and the sky caps see us, and it's like tink, 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 like dollar signs in their eyes. Because you can, you know, 25 bucks a bag to check it, and they give you one carry-on. And I always have to have three things with me. I always bring my laptop because I'm working on, you know, different ideas for sermons and stuff. The second thing is I, I always bring all of my books. And I bring hardcover books, okay? I understand some, someone's like, oh, you know, why don't you get an iPad? I like old school, okay? I like to underline stuff. And then the third thing, and this is embarrassing. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I, I, <laughs> I bring my hairspray with me. I, this is just, I know it's... I, I'm trying to be vulnerable. Don't laugh at me here. Uh, and this is the hard thing is I use this Aussie spray. Have you ever seen this? And it comes in this giant purple can. Like it doesn't get more conspicuous than this. And the problem is there's no travel size. So when this goes through the x-ray scanner, the TSA agents come running like weapon of mass destruction. They like get very upset. And I have had, I, uh, this is the truth. There's no exaggeration. I have had over six cans of this confiscated at Newark Airport. And I was always like, I was like, you sure you need that? And they're like, yeah, you don't need any more of that. And, uh, and I was like, where does it go? And I watched them put it behind the x-ray scanner on a table, and the table was full of bottle-sized shampoos, Paul Mitchell conditioners, tubes of toothpaste, unopened deodorant. I swear the TSA is a front for CVS. I, I, I really believe this. They're running a black market of toiletries out of this nation's airports. Uh, but anyway, the point is, we all have certain baggage or things that are near and dear to us that, that we don't like to let go of. We like to travel heavy. We like to live lighter. And we laugh because in the physical world, you look at like, you know, trunks and duffel bags and stuff. But the truth is, uh, we all have experiences that are disappointing, right? There's, you go through a breakup. You suffer a loss. Somebody that you love, a failure, a business fails, you lose your job, regret. And we accumulate baggage along the way. Stuff happens. Some of us have piles of it. And we would love to let go, but we're not quite sure how. So we kind of compensate and we walk through life kind of schlepping our stuff around. And you know what? It can be a heavy way to live. Well, our goal for this entire series is simple. Together, we're going to unpack some of our baggage and ask God to check it for good. Because I want to teach you through God's word how to drop some of these burdens you were never meant to bear. In fact, that's probably a good definition to begin with of baggage. And if you're taking notes, we put those in your bulletins. You can fill this in, follow along. In the physical world, you know, we think of trunks and steamers and all that kind of suitcases. But the baggage we're talking about are the emotional and spiritual burdens you were never meant to bear. You know, some of us walk around, we all carry different stuff. Some of us carry around, you know, a suitcase full of fear or anxiety, you know. You just feel worry in your life about all sorts of situations. 
Or maybe you have a duffel bag of addictions you just can't shake, you know, habits that own you. You know, it's a new year. You've made resolutions, but you're also like, dude, I've been around the baggage carousel a time or two to know it's not that easy. Just like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's an addiction. Or maybe you suffered a loss last year. Relationship ended or you lost a job or one of your dreams, you know, hasn't come true. In fact, it kind of got shattered and you're carrying around the disappointment and the hurt. What happens is those old voices, those insecurities start whispering, you failed again, you're alone, you know, you'll, no one can love you. And that, you know, so song plays, or you saw their face over, you know, vacation, and you're taken back to that blow up. Maybe you have relational baggage that's made you bitter or angry. Someone you, you trusted betrayed you. Could be a close friend, could be a family member, and now, now you put walls up, and you kind of harden your heart because you make this vow, I will never be hurt that way again, so nobody gets close. You just kind of put that, that's baggage, And we all have it, okay? We all have issues, including your pastor, okay? And here's the deal. The reason why we can talk about this honestly is because Jesus had a lot to say about baggage, about God's desire to help us with our burdens that we schlep around on the inside. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus actually said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry what? Let's say it together, church. Heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Translation, God wants to check your baggage for good, especially if you have issues that seem to be on a carousel that go round and around, but you simply don't know how to let go. So life is just kind of heavy for you, and what we do is you kind of compensate. You limp along. You kind of struggle. You know there's like things in your past and life that kind of weigh you down. And I'm just going to ask this question just to start us off, okay? Let's just be honest. What are you carrying around that you know shouldn't be on your journey this year? What are you carrying around? I mean, is it fear? Is it worry? Is it anger? Unforgiveness? Depression? Everything? What issue in your life would you love for God to check for good? I mean, if you were like, man, if I knew I could walk in here today and just kind of leave that down and say, God, you're going to take care of that. I'm not carrying it this year. What would it be? Because Jesus is like, oh, you're coming to the right place. There's a lighter way to live, and I want to show you how. Probably the best place to begin is to see what the Bible says where baggage comes from. And there are three biblical sources of baggage that Scripture spotlights, and I want to show these to you briefly. I'd love for you to follow along in your notes. And the first is baggage that comes from unmet expectations. Isn't that the truth? A situation in your life, you know, that you thought was going to go one way ends up going the other. Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, You expected to be married by now, but you're still single. And it's like a a touchy kind of subject, like don't bring it up. Or or you are married, and you expected it to be fulfilling and romantic and exciting, everything you hoped, and now you you realize, I just married a slob, okay? That's that's all that happened. I wasn't expecting. Don't say amen. That's not not the right thing to do there, ladies. Uh, You know, or or guys, guys, right? Husbands, you know, maybe the sex isn't everything you expected it to be, right? You look around, you think, well, everyone else is swinging from the chandeliers, but our house is just, you know... Kids and diapers and running to soccer games, and I'm just, you know, I'm last on the list. That's not what I expected. Or maybe you can't have kids. You just assumed that was a foregone conclusion. You expect it to be easy and start a family, but now it's been a few years, and you're starting to lose hope. You know what Proverbs 13 says? It says, hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. See, some of us have dreams that we thought would happen, but they haven't yet, and it makes our heart sick. We, we, we believe in God, and we assume this was going to be the, the, the plan, but it didn't, it didn't go that way, and it's, and it's made us sad or it's made our heart angry. That's where anger typically comes from, unmet expectations. We think something's going to go that way, but it turned out to be this, and that's upsetting. Now, a second source of baggage is what I call unhealed hurts, and 
something happened to you potentially in the past that maybe it hurts you real bad. And uh, you may have tried to move forward from it, but that loss kind of impacted your life so deeply that your past now affects your present. Psalm 109 says, for I'm poor and needy and my heart is, what's the word? Say it together. Wounded within me. You know who wrote this psalm? King David. And he knew a thing or two about heartache, okay? He was betrayed by close friends. Everybody he cared about deserted him. And his heart, he said, was wounded by that. In other words, something broke inside. An injury occurred. And the idea in the Bible is that wounds occur when we suffer losses in life. When we lose people and things we care for and love. I remember talking uh, with a woman who lost her youngest son in a tragic car accident over the holidays and just left her reeling, uh, just heart-wrenching tragedy. And even as we spoke, she was physically like trembling as she spoke because the wound was still so fresh. She said, uh, Pastor Tim, time will never heal this wound. That's, that's what we're told as children, right? Time heals all wounds. But that's actually not what the Bible says. I have a, a, another friend who, uh, he lost his job two years ago, and at the time, I remember how optimistic he was. He's like, no, I think God's going to take me in a new direction, all of that. But now he's going on year two, and he said, you know, honestly, Tim, I'm battling depression. He said, when it, when it, when it first happened, I thought, oh, no, you know, this is an opportunity. I see it that way. But he says, you go through two years of unemployment, and he's like, my joy is gone, and you know what? His identity's been wounded because it's a key part of who he is. Wounds come when we lose things we love. People, jobs, relationships, you know, maybe you're here today and, and, and you think, yeah, the person who promised to love, honor, and cherish me for better or worse till death do us part, they bailed on their promise. Divorce is one of the most common wounds or injuries that we sustain nowadays. And the heartache can be excruciating. It is a wound, honestly, that gets swept under the rug a lot and kind of left untreated. Because people say, well, you know, just move on. You know, it's a new year. Turn, you know, flip the chapter page. But you know what? You can't. Because the source of the wound doesn't get treated, so it remains unhealed. And then it becomes this weakness and this kind of sore spot for us. Because when someone wounds your heart, you have a hard time trusting again. It gets painful. So you erect walls, or or you get defensive, or cynical, or distant. And guess what? You bring that baggage right into your next relationship. It's serious stuff. Because that pain has to go somewhere. I remember being transfixed by the story of Michelle Aguilar. You guys know her? How many of you have seen The Biggest Loser, that weight loss TV show, uh, reality show on Con? Okay. She was the winner of season six of The Biggest Loser. And what was remarkable, she was like 100 pounds, something more overweight. And what was remarkable to me about her story is that she said the source of her morbid obesity was not food. It was her family's breakup. When she witnessed her parents' marriage fall apart, she found her comfort in food. Eating became more than a need. It became driven by her pain. But in a courageous way, Michelle faced the unhealed hurts of her past, and that's when God began giving her a future. I think when you're at a place where you're so upset and you're kind of out of control with a lot of things, it, um, it's an easy step to turn to food. I found out about The Biggest Loser through a friend. She was going one weekend to an open call, and I just thought, if I can go and I can lose 50 pounds, then that'll be enough to come home and do it on my own and kind of just feel good about where I'm at. Growing up, I had what I felt was a typical uh, Christian home, um, two very loving parents. And by all accounts, we were, you know, a very happy and happy-go-lucky family. 
When I was 18, I received a phone call from my mom. I was at work, and she told me that she was going to be leaving my dad. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with my pain or the confusion that I was going through, but I couldn't help but think that her leaving, um, that it meant that there was something wrong with me. I chose then to, to internalize all my pain. And um, I then told my mom that because of her decision, I was gonna have to love her from a distance and that I wasn't going to um, speak to her anymore. When I would get really upset or depressed, I thought, well, if I could just get something really good to eat, then it'll make me feel better. And it becomes a guilt thing. And you realize that you're eating and you're feeling bad while you're eating and it's just making it worse. And it becomes this, this vicious cycle of, I need comfort and I think food will work and I'm gonna try it and it's not working and I need more. I had put on, you know, almost a, a hundred pounds. And I realized I was not in control of the food. It was not making me happy. I assumed that the smile on my face masked it all. People ask you, you know, how, how are you doing today? Oh, good, and you've got a smile. Then I thought, well, they'll believe you. And so I thought, well, that kind of, that gets me through this conversation. The moment I would close the door in my car, I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. Because <laughs> it was all fake. The moment I got in my car, I just cried and cried because it was all fake. In other words, somewhere along the line, Michelle got the message that she just needed to smile, just put on a happy face through the pain. And you know what? That is not what God wants us to do. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah, he predicted that there, a generation would, would, would come that would minimize the wounds that God's people were carrying around. Jeremiah 6, 14 says, They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say. You'll be okay. When there is no peace, I'm, I'm not okay. The Bible's perspective is that baggage is serious. And if you leave it untreated, it'll fester and it gets infected. And that's when the real damage occurs. And God's desire is to heal the hurts in our hearts, but we first have to be honest about it. And that's hard because our culture typically tells us to do what? Stuff it. Get it all. No, just kind of keep it. Pretend that didn't happen. No, you don't see anything here. I remember praying with, um, with a girl who had an abortion in her past. And, um, and we, were, we were standing uh, at Liquid and praying, and she, just, she was ravaged by, by guilt and regret. And she said, I could, I've never told anyone about this. She goes, I just wish I could hit delete and erase that whole chapter of my life. Just erase it. Pretend it never happened. Don't take the time to treat it properly because that's what our culture counsels us to do. Minimize the injury. That's just a scratch. You know, just move on. Time heals. God says, no. You know what? What happened to you is not a paper cut. That was a shotgun blast to your heart. And you know what? That's where I live. That's my home. So I want to repair that, okay? So don't treat it like a scratch. God takes this stuff very seriously because it is the source of many addictions. Again, we can just, you know, chastise people for their bad behavior, but the source of most addictions is that we don't process our pain with God. We actually deny it or stuff it inside, and so we have to find these coping mechanisms to kind of numb out alcohol, drug, food, because we just don't want to feel anything any longer, or we mask it. 
especially at church. And we just got to, guys, we just got to own this as the church. Um, <clears throat> shiny, happy Christians, all the, <laughs> you know. Turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Every day is a Friday. That's what Christians do. They put a smile on it. You know what, guys? One of the things I love about our church is that liquid is a place where it's okay to not be okay. Amen? Maybe you've never heard that before in church, honestly. Maybe you went to church that, that def- tried to define for you the narrowest possible way what it means to be a godly person. And you're like, I could never measure up to that because it's so heavy. All the judgment, all the pretending, all the legalism. And you saw leaders who couldn't even measure up to that standards. It was fake. And you saw hypocrisy up close and you left. And now you got church baggage. <laughs> you're like, it's a miracle just being here today. The fact that I stepped foot inside this church because you've seen spiritual leaders let you down in the past. Well, here's news. We're going to let you down. <laughs> Our church is not immune to hurts or hypocrisy, okay? We've all got baggage here. But we're trying to be a little bit more honest about that up front, take it seriously, and keep short accounts. Because at Liquid, we don't believe the church is supposed to be a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners, amen? That's the whole idea. So this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. We can be honest about where we're at. Because together, you know what we're doing? Together, we are all taking a journey towards Jesus, okay? It's not towards a, a perfect model of, of, of humanity. We're taking a step towards Jesus who lived this perfect life. And then we're asking him to touch these parts of our lives that need to be healed and restored. So we're not a perfect church. We do not have perfect leaders here, but we do have faith in a perfect God. And he invites us just to be honest about where we're at. That's the final source of baggage in your notes, unconfessed sin. And what I mean by that is this. I'm not trying to put a, a guilt trip on you. The whole idea here is that once you get honest with God about the hurts you've received as well as the hurts that you've caused, then healing can begin in your heart. Healing can't happen if you stuff it or stay silent about it. In Psalm 32, King David said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Look at this, look at this. For day and night, your hand was, what's the word? Say it. Heavy upon me, baggage. It was, ah, oh, it just was like, ah, oh, my strength was sapped as if in the heat of summer. And then he says, Selah, which means think about that for a minute. It's an amazing verse. Some of you feel the weight of life because you're carrying around the baggage of, of wrong choices and bad, bad things you've done in the past or bad friends and, and unrepented habits that you, you wish would go away but you've never really made a clean break with. And you know what? It's all that junk that God so desperately wants to set you free from. He's like, there's a lighter way to live. That is why he literally sent Jesus. Christ died to free us from our past. And then he rose again so he could give us a future, a future that's actually filled with hope that's beyond our heartache. Again, what does Jesus say? He says, come to me, every one of you who's weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. And guys, that's how you begin to check your baggage for good. You know, I've just kind of spotlighted for you three common sources of baggage, unmet expectations, unhealed hurts, unconfessed sin. But now I kind of want to point you in, in, in a hopeful direction and give you three ways you can check your baggage for good. Begin that process today. And the first is, no surprise, you've got to check your baggage with Christ. Jesus is truly the only one who understands what you're going through and has the power to heal your heart for good. That's the truest statement I can make to you today. That's, that's not religious sales talk. You may have started this year carrying a burden, or, or you know what? Your heart may be wounded within you this morning. In fact, right now, I'm guessing there's probably people in this room, and you're like kind of, you're smiling, like kind of like, but you're blinking back the tears because this is close to home. 
You're like, oh man, I wasn't prepared for this. How long until this is over? Stop talking, stop talking to I get that. I have that effect. The truth is, ignore me for a minute. Jesus Christ wants to heal your heart by coming into your heart and applying the balm of his grace and his love. I want to read Psalm 71 together. Some of you, you will relate to the first part of this verse as you look back over your life. Look at this. It says, though you've made me see troubles, many and bitter. In other words, He's saying, I've seen more garbage than anyone could imagine. I wouldn't wish what's happened to me on my worst enemy, Tim. Life has not been easy. Bitter is about right. That describes, I've seen many troubles, but God, now let's read this together. All of our campuses, big, loud voice, let's read this together. You will what? Restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up. Incredible, incredible promise. There are some of you here today, you are so discouraged at this moment, you have no hope at all to which God says, I specialize in restoring what's been lost in your life. That's my job. I can repair what has been broken. Jesus Christ is the God of restoration. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to check our baggage for good, and then he stakes us to this new life that is whole and healed and free because it's lived by his spirit's power, not your strength. When Jesus died, guys, you know what it means? It means your past is dead and over. It doesn't have to define you. Your past doesn't have to define you. God has made a way for every mistake, every failure, every flaw you've ever had to be forgiven, and he's done it through his son because Jesus suffered in our place. You know what that means? He took our stuff on him on the cross, on his back. It means you get a do-over. Your past no longer defines you. And when Jesus was raised to life, he's saying, I'm giving you a new future. You confess your sins, and my spirit comes into your heart, and guess what happens? By his wounds, we are, what's the word? Healed. Say it together. We are healed. His wounds heal our wounds. Does that make sense? That's the power of the cross. Why? Jesus knew what it was like to be wounded. This is not some pie in the sky. God. Jesus comes down here. He is betrayed by someone he trusted. He is falsely accused. He is physically abused. He is sold down the river by church leaders. He is rejected by his family and he's abandoned on the cross. But because he trusted the Father, he lived the perfect life we could never live. He believed that God could work all things for good. He was raised to life and now he says, I can offer healing to anybody who calls on my name. I'll move in your heart. I'll give you a new heart. But you just got to ask. You have to say, Christ, come heal me. I, I gave you my old junk. Put your new life inside of me. Check my past, not take control of my future. That's how you check your baggage. Or at least that's how Michelle Aguilar checked hers. What's amazing is that when she went on The Biggest Loser, she was confronted with her painful past. She'd packed on over 100 pounds because she didn't know what to do with the pain caused by her parents' divorce. But then God caused something remarkable to happen. The show called for her to team up with her mother. The very person in her life who had been the source of the greatest pain she'd ever experienced. And that's when God began a makeover on the inside of her heart. I received a phone call from The Biggest Loser. The show's ultimate goal is to ultimately be The Biggest Loser. Whoever loses the most percentage of weight would, at the end, win $250,000. I talked to my dad, and he made the suggestion that I call and ask my mom if she'd like to do the show with me. I really felt like God was saying, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity, you know, to start over and change 
from the inside out, and this could be the option if you're willing to, to do it. I called my mom and I said, okay, you know, here's perfect opportunity for you and I to, to do something together. It was parents and kids versus husbands and wives. And they all had a really great connection and a really great relationship. And when I looked in the direction of my mother, I thought, okay, well, I'm here with somebody that, when I look at you, I see the source of my pain and I see the source of my weight gain. While everybody has somebody that they love and that they kind of feel really connected with, I'm here with somebody that I hardly know. We're just telling God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I can't, because I can't do this anymore. And laying there, just in a complete state of brokenness, I told God, okay, I get it. I can't do it. It's not me. And so God, if you can use me, if you want me to stay, if you want me to work on this, if you really want me to do this, then I'll stay. And I'll give it, I'll give it all to you. And from that point forward, from that night, things began to change. It was like my whole body just let go of everything I was holding on to, all the stuff, all the things, all the junk in my life. One collective moment just kind of let go. When I showed back up at that finale, I was a changed person. I really truly began to walk in love and forgiveness towards my mom. The scale ultimately wasn't going to define me, that my weight wouldn't define me, the smile on my face wasn't defining me but you know that God all along was defining me. To know that I could truly hand it over, hand it over to God who was in every way big enough to handle everything and that he wasn't gonna run away. He wasn't gonna see all the junk and run away. Me being in control is really me being out of control. And so I have Christ first because I know that in him is really my full life. I'm Michelle Aguilar, and I am second. Michelle said, I'm going to be second. I'm going to put Christ first. In other words, she made a decision. In the middle of her heartache and pain, she went to Jesus and said, I give this all to you. I can't do this. I need you to check my baggage for good. She turned all the hurt, all the junk over to God and confessed her brokenness and said, you know what? I'm not going to mask my pain, and I'm also not going to numb it with food any longer. God, you come fill me in, fill me up, feel my heart, my hurt, and set me free from the past. And guys, this is a prayer that God can't resist. When one of his children comes to him honestly, humbly, saying, I need your help, God says, I'm going to release the power of my Holy Spirit to flood your heart. And I'm going to begin binding your wounds. I'm going to begin setting you free. Do you hear what she said? She said, me being in control is really me being out of control. In other words, it's all about giving control of your life to Christ. By his wound, yours get healed. Isn't that amazing? That's the invitation that God makes to every single one of us.
and says, I want you to trade your old heavy way of living for a lighter way to live by my spirit. Christ says, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the what? The new has come. There's a new life waiting for you, but you have to go to Christ to get it. It all comes from the cross, folks, and that's where you need to lay it down. In fact, I'm going to ask you even right now, I want you to think about this. I, I want to make this personal because I've been talking a lot about different types of baggage and wounds, but I'm going to ask you just right now, in, in your own heart, what's that one issue that you know God wants to check for you today? I mean, if you had to claim all your baggage, just be honest between you and God, what are you carrying around that you know should not be on your journey with you this year? Think about all the things we've touched on, right? Fear, worry, anger, unforgiveness, depression, all those things. What's the burning issue right now in your life that you're like, man, if I could just leave it here with God and just walk away free, that'd be awesome. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to actually write this down just between you and God. At every campus, we've given you a connection card. It looks like this. Can everybody pull this out, wave it around? Go ahead. All our campuses, wave it around like this. People are going to think you're crazy. You're getting Pentecostal. Hallelujah. Woo. Wave it around. Okay. On the back, you see how it says my response today? This is between you and God. I want you to take one moment just right now. We gave you a pen. Click that pen and write down the area of baggage you most want God to check. If you could just drop one of the burdens that you're carrying around this morning, just leave it here for God to deal with. What would it be, all right? Between you and God right now, I'm going to write this down myself. Um, candidly, I've got an issue in my family that's, that's kind of personal and very alive right now. I'm not ready to preach about it yet. <laughs> I know enough now. Wait a little bit on this, but I'm going to write it down here because it's, honestly, it's, a, it's an issue uh, that's causing our family a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. We're like, Colleen and I are both like, God, we need your guidance because we're in over our heads a little bit on this. We need Christ's strength. So I'm going to just jot that down, just a few words. And what we're going to do in a moment, all our campuses, when I am done, perfect, when I'm done talking, um, we're going to give every one of you a chance to come forward and lay your burden down at the cross. There are cross stations at all of our campuses. You can look around the room. And what we've done is we have put a suitcase at the foot of that cross, literally, open suitcases, and if you have a burden you want to trust God with, symbolically, we're going to invite you forward in a minute when I pray. You come forward and you say, God, I need you to check this. This is yours. This is not mine anymore. And it's the first step. It's checking your baggage with Christ between you and God. Now, hold on to that for just a minute as you're writing, because the second step after that is checking your baggage in community. When I say community, let me tell you what I mean. Galatians 6 tells us to carry what? Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, the first step is you first go to Christ. You go to God. But the second is you go to his people. Um, I'll be very candid. Some of you have been thinking you're being heroic because you're struggling to carry all these issues by yourself. You're like, oh, no, don't worry about it, Tim. I'm good. I don't really need anyone. I got all this stuff. No, I think I, think I, can, I, think I can make it. And you're kind of walking through life like, no, I got all this. And you know what? It's not noble or heroic. It's just stupid. Christ doesn't save us just on a personal level. After that, he puts us in community. It's called the church. And the idea behind this, guys, is that so you have traveling partners. You need someone to help shoulder the load and help carry the baggage when it gets heavy. I remember flying into Newark from a cross-country trip, and I had, like, all these bags and all that kind of stuff. And I remember coming down the the baggage claim. I was just like, oh. And then I saw his face. My friend John was standing there with a sign that said, Big Hair Preacher. 
<laughs> I was like, John, it's like, damn. And I was just so happy to see him. They always say you can tell who your real friends are by who picks you up from the airport, right? And John was there, and he had one of those luggage carts with him. You know, it's like six bucks a cart and everything. He goes, oh, dude, let me take this. He took my backpack. He took all my bags. He put it on this thing, and then he goes, come on, I'll take you out. And he had his cart, and he wheeled all my junk out to the parking lot. And I'm like, you know what? That is a picture of what Christian community is supposed to be like, where we carry each other's burdens when life gets heavy and support one another like Christ in hard times. That is honestly why we have life groups, okay? It's not because we need a program for our church. If you're new to a church, this is where you find traveling partners, okay, for the journey. Because there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, okay? You need friends. It is almost impossible to deal with baggage by yourself, okay? Community is God's plan. It is the context in which we give and receive grace in real time. So groups are simply 8 to 15 people, and you know what? They get together in living rooms all over New Jersey during the week. Ours meets every other week, my wife and I. And it's grace-based, meaning... You don't have to have it all together. (laughs) You don't have to know the Bible, all the answers, because everybody's accepted as is. That is something you can't say about a lot of groups in the world. (laughs) And you find others who are in a similar stage of life. My wife, Colleen, and I right now, um, last semester, we were in a life group with eight other couples who have school-age kids. And we talked about, you know, prayed about parenting, all the issues, struggles, insecurities that we have. And more than that, we prayed for each other. And let me tell you something. There is something powerful about getting together with other people and sharing your stuff outside of Sunday. We meet every other week. And you know what? We've dealt with everything in our group. When I think of the groups that Colleen and I have been a part of over the years, we have literally supported friends who have experienced uh, job loss, have gone through divorce, addictions, have issues with their kids, moved out of state. You name the issue. We've been part of a group that has gone through that. That's why we call it a life group. It's not a therapy session. It's simply getting together with other like-minded people who are wrestling through life and asking God to come along for the journey, and we support each other. Let me show you a freaky verse. This is a verse I never understood. See if you understand it. It's called James 5.16, and it says this. It says, confess your sins to who? To each other. And pray for each other so that you may be, what's the word? Healed. And I never understood that. Because I was like, wait, I thought we're supposed to confess our sins to Christ. What's this about, you know, talking about our junk with others? You know what James is getting at? (laughs) He's saying one of the ways that God restores your heart is by giving you other people to unpack your baggage with. You get to be honest about your hurts, and when you share something and they don't run away, ah, screaming, <laughs> you think, you know, maybe I'm not so crazy. <laughs> maybe God really can do something. When you go through something painful or traumatic, and some of you, you're not there today, you're like, this is a message for someone else. You'll be there. And there's someone to put their arm around you and pray with you. That is powerful, man. It is effective. So if you're not in community, you're not in a life group, why not? Can I just honestly ask that? What are you waiting for? You can pray on your own, absolutely. You can read the Bible on your own, absolutely. But then God says, I want you to do it in community. Carry each other's burdens. And this way, you're going to fulfill the law of Christ. You receive Christ, and then you're going to live it out together. So sign up for a life group. Um, If you are new, you have come at a perfect time because we're starting these in a couple weeks. And just go to liquidchurch.com. We've got all ages and stages in that menu or sign up for our, our, our lunch. So check your baggage first with Christ unpack it in Christian community. And finally, God asks you to check your baggage sometimes with a Christ-centered counselor. That's the last thing I want to talk to you about. I want to mention this in closing because we're big believers in the power of Christian counseling when it comes to dealing with some of these deeper wounds of the heart. When I say counseling, I am not talking about uh, watching Dr. Phil, all right, or going to, you know, get a, get a, you know, a secular uh, self-help book. First Chronicles 27 says, Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of, what's the word? insight. Guys, that's how the Bible defines a counselor. 
a man or woman of insight. That is, they have the ability to see inside a matter. They, they, they lower their eyes into the heart. Needless to say, a lot of these issues that I have touched the surface on today are actually quite serious. All right? Candidly, if you've suffered through a divorce, an abortion, sexual abuse, you have a chemical addiction, these are serious issues that God wants to liberate you from. But that road to healing in recovery and freedom often runs also through Christian counseling. So when I say Christian counseling, what I'm talking about is a licensed professional who's Bible-based. They have a commitment to God's word, and they're Christ-centered. This isn't about navel-gazing or like self-help. They are there to literally minister God's grace and truth to you. It's not about treating the surface symptoms. No, I'm just really angry. They drill down to the deeper lies and wounds that keep you pinned down. So if you've suffered a loss, you may need to go through divorce counseling or grief recovery. If you have an addiction, you may need to go through drug or alcohol counseling. But understand, counseling is not just for the broken people. I think some churches give it that stigma. Not, not at liquid, like, oh, that's for the really you know, hard cases. I've done counseling. Many of our pastors are counseling. In fact, I was talking with a buddy recently who did his first counseling session over uh, Christmas. And um, he said I was going into it. He's just like, I'm a little nervous about it, Tim. And, um, and I saw him afterwards. He goes, dude, it was unbelievable. He goes, it's like I saw the Matrix. <laughs> all the green code. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I saw all these, like, like pat- they helped me see these patterns from childhood that my insecurity comes out, lies I believe about myself, and it goes into my marriage. He's like, I just, I saw all these. I'm like, that's the power of godly Christian counsel. Proverbs 20 says, the purposes of man's heart are deep waters, but a man or woman of what? Understanding draws them out. That's what a counselor is. Think of them as professional baggage handlers. They help you understand. And again, I never tell you to do anything I'm not personally willing to do. Uh, I've done my own counseling work and uh, over the years with a couple of, of wonderful Christian counselors who I now count as close friends. It has been invaluable in my marriage. My relationship with Colleen is stronger because of it. My relationship with my kids. My pastoring of this church is, is, is more stable because of it. Some people say, you seem fairly emotionally secure. Yeah, because I've done my work, okay? I unpack my stuff as part of my commitment to spiritual growth because I believe God honors that. So your campus pastor has an entire list of Christian counselors in your area, men and women um, of God who we have vetted, and we trust to care for you. So if you need the name of a good Christian counselor, please talk to your campus pastor, and we'll be happy to refer you uh, to that in the weeks ahead. Don't wait on this, guys. That's it. That's all I have to say here. This is going to be response time to God because the year's just starting, and we want to create this moment for you, all of our campuses. We want to create a moment for you to respond to this invitation God's given you to live lighter. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Check your baggage with me. Enter community. Take a step of trust. See a counselor. I hope you'll take one of these action steps today because you know why? This is the beginning of the year. 12 months from now, 2013, how are you going to walk in here? Still carrying the same old stuff? Same old sin? No, no, it's a new year. I got resolute. Or will you finally live free the way God intended you to be? He says, come to me. Check those burdens. I'm waiting right here at the cross for you. Speaking of which, what did you write on your connection card? What's that thing you wrote between you and God? I want you to claim that this morning, and we're going to give you a chance right now as I pray. You're going to be able to get up and move about the room and check that with God. So let's do this. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And then your campus pastor is going to invite you to the crosses here. We also have communion stations set up around the room. You know why? Communion. What's it represent? The wounds of Christ. 
the body of Jesus broken for you, the blood of Christ that forgives your sins. By his wounds, what happens? We're healed. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, receive communion. Check your baggage in a suitcase at the foot of the cross, and we'll do that together. Let's pray together, all of our campuses, bow our heads. Father, right now, we just thank you for Jesus. God, that you cared enough, that you look at your people, and you don't have condemnation. You have compassion. You see what we're carrying, God, and you say, I want to help you with that. It's okay to not be okay. And so, Lord, in this moment, I pray as men and women across the state, Lord, maybe even just listening online, Lord, they're taking a step to you. They're, 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 they're putting their heart in their hand and offering it to you, Jesus. Would you send your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, in a supernatural way? Just minister your presence to them, Father God. As we pray together, let us sense your spirit at work and let lives be changed because of decisions getting made right now. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.